Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Winter's coming. October is the time for crashes. Everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller, and as you know, every week we range north of the wall, mixing with wildlings and facing down the Night King, all in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets. This week, we're going to take a break from our usual format to take a deep dive into darkness. October sure is the season of scary things, and it's also the season of stock market crashes. Two of the most famous crashes in history took place in this here very month of October. So we're going to take an in-depth look at those black days on Wall Street and see if there's something about October that brings on bad juju. And we'll also explore the relationship between Fed policy and these sudden crashes. After all, nothing scarier than the Fed, except me in the morning when I haven't had my coffee. Hey, this is the He Won't Be a Boy Forever episode of Offbeat Wall Street. Ten is too young to say such things. He won't be a boy forever. And winter is coming. All right, now when you think of market crashes, the first one you probably think of is the one in 1929. Of course, that's the one where the Roaring Twenties came to a roaring halt and the Great Depression started. The one where, you know, people threw themselves out of windows and those that didn't showed up at the office the next day wearing barrels instead of clothes. I guess it's because the barrels got really cheap all of a sudden. But no matter, not many of those things actually happened just that way. But here's the scene anyway. All right, now after World War I, the U.S. entered into the big leagues of the world economy. Things accelerated through the 20s, helped as new technologies entered the mainstream. Ford and RCA were the Google and Facebook of the time. However, by the end of the decade, that expansion was running on fumes. Overproduction was becoming a problem, and there'd already been signs of slowing production and rising unemployment. But during the boom, Wall Street had attracted a lot of retail clientele. A lot of money flowed back into the stock market that had never been there before. By 1929, the stock market was held up by margin and speculation. Now, the fact that... Now, that fact was a source of worry at the Federal Reserve. The central bank then was just over a decade and a half old. The rules for running monetary policy hadn't even been written yet. Earlier this year, the Fed had tried to curb the easy money that was fueling speculation, crack down on margin trading, which was the coke-spiked Red Bull fueling the stock market. It also raised interest rates. Now, this caught up to Wall Street as summer tipped into the fall, and there were signs of trouble in September, but the real bloodletting didn't begin until October. There was a series of what would soon to be remembered as Black Days on Wall Street. October 24th was Black Thursday. The market sold off sharply, but was followed by a rebound that Friday. Tension built over the weekend until Monday, Black Monday that is, October 28th. There was another day of frantic selling. 
And that was followed by Black Tuesday, October 29th, 1929, the day that is usually remembered as the crash. A then record 16 million shares were traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Over the two days, the Dow lost about a quarter of its value. After the crash, the Fed initially took steps to ease the liquidity crisis, but from there, the policymakers refused to turn away from the tightening policy that they had been following before the crash. Now, the Fed's hawkish stance continued, which drove the country deeper into what would become the Great Depression. I know this is hard for you, but winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone. All right, let's skip ahead a few decades and uh, let's replace Herbert Hoover with Ronald Reagan, replace Al Jolson with Madonna, replace the thief of Baghdad with Top Gun. There you go. And as you can guess, it's 1987. All right. Or, uh, or first, let's take a quick tour of the 80s up until then. Let's back the train up just a little bit. Now, to break out of the stagnant economy of the late 70s, Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker jacked up interest rates. The main Fed rate then was 11.75% when he took over, and he took it at 21.5% by the end of 1980. <laughs> Think your credit card bills are high now. Hmm. Volcker and the Fed aggressively tinkered with interest rates through 1981. By the middle of the year, it was back over 20%. At that point, the Fed began began to lower rates steadily. There were a few twists and turns along the way, but the summer of 1981 until 1986, rates drifted lower to 7.5%. That decline in interest rates helped to fuel a bull market that began in 1982. Stocks continued to rise through 86 and into 87. At that point, though, things had gotten a little bit frothy. Quick money was once again at the center of American culture. Think leverage buyouts, cell phones, the size of bricks, and Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. In August of 87, Volcker stepped aside and a young whippersnapper named Alan Greenspan became chairman of the Federal Reserve. Now, Greenspan would lead the Fed for nearly 19 years, and when he retired in 2006, he was generally considered one of the greatest chairmen the Fed ever had. His biography, written by Watergate hero Bob Woodward, was called Maestro, as in Maestro of the Economy, but his career got off to a rocky start. As 1987 wore on, the Fed began to see the economy getting a little bit too hot. In April, it raised rates for the first time in nearly three years. The Fed raised rates again twice in May. Greenspan took over in August. Under his leadership, the Fed hiked rates again in September. Then once again on October 7th, it increased the headline rate by half percentage points. Then we get to October 19th, yet another Black Monday, an overextended stock market with an aggressive Fed actively working to cool down the economy. The Dow lost nearly 23% on the day, and that was by far the worst day for the stock market on a percentage basis in history. However, if you combine the losses from Black Monday and Black Tuesday in 1929, the total percentage drop would have been slightly higher, but in 1987, it happened all at once. Greenspan's Fed responded quickly. After having raised rates only a couple weeks before, the Fed reversed course. It trimmed rates on the 22nd of October by a quarter percentage point, cut it again in November, and again in early 1988. Rates would not start rising again until May of 88. Remember, the after the 1927 crash, the Fed didn't change course. It stuck to its hawkish policy following the crisis. Flash forward to 1987 with Greenspan in charge. The Fed recognized its mistake and quickly changed course. It eased policy in the wake of the crash and softened the overall impact on the economy. Some less than a year, interest rates were higher than they were leading up to the 87 crash, but the rate cuts in late 87 and early 88 gave a cushion to the markets and signaled to investors that the Fed was ready to do whatever was necessary to prevent a catastrophe. 
And if you're worried about the Fed sparking another October crisis this year, well, take heart. The Fed line Fed rate is currently at a half percent rather than a nine and a quarter percent that it was headed into the 1987 crash. Also, the Fed doesn't meet again until November. You were born in the long summer. You've never known anything else. But now winter is truly coming. And in the winter, we must protect ourselves. All right, thanks, everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, rate and review the show because those good ratings help other people discover the show. So it's helpful. Also, let all of your friends know. Don't forget to check out OffbeatWallStreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at OffbeatWallStreet. And that is street like ST on a street sign. And of course, a big heaping helping of BS contributed to this episode. Thanks to Brian Stewart for all the script writing and co-production of the podcast. And a big, great thanks to our friends at RTT News for providing a lot of the news and stats used in this here show. So for up-to-the-date info on the markets, check them out, rttnews.com. And hey, as we say goodbye, I know we talk today a lot about crashes and disasters, but remember, as bad as things get, they could always get worse. Eating the horses was easy. But later when we started to fall, that wasn't easy. Have a great week, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.